welcome back to the Packy Run Podcast. My name is AJ. If you were hoping to hear Tom Brady's voice on this episode today, <laughs> you're going to be sorely disappointed. Lagambia. And I am Dan. Sorry if you fell. Actually, there was one person that fell for this April Fool's joke. Mayotte. Hilarious. <laughs> They're like, how did you get Tom Brady? I'm like, come on, bro. Seriously? <laughs> like That was a... Uh... <laughs> I was like, what day is it today? That was... That was some that was some quick thinking on your part for sure. When you texted me and you were like, "Hey, do you have a like a screenshot of us FaceTiming?" I was like, "Yeah, I guess." Like, what are you up to? I was at work and I sent it to you, and then it was like an hour later or something. I went and scrolled through Instagram and I was like, "Huh, the Packy Run account just posted a story. I wonder what this is." And I just started laughing. You know what I you know what I thought of? I thought about that time when these random kids somehow got Tom Brady on FaceTime. That's re- I remember seeing that story. That's, that's where that photo is from, uh, if you're wondering. <laughs> that's too funny. Um, so we, it's been two weeks since our... Actually, it's been like a week and a half since our last show. Um, you know, a lot has happened. And the time, uh, the time gets away from you. Yeah, it kind of does. Um, glad that we're, we're not uh, taking a month off. Um, from in between some episodes we're actually being pretty yeah, consistent no more, with it no more no more big hiatuses just scheduling conflicts will happen but we said we were going to be consistent and damn it we're being consistent yep we're still doing this um we have some patriots news to talk about we have nfl news to talk about um and we're gonna go in on some music stuff the grammys happened this weekend um we have a Joyce Manor record that turned 10 years old this year, or yesterday, rather. Yeah. And um, we're going to tra- chat briefly about uh, Taylor Hawkins, because you know I think he's bo- he's made an, it, certainly an impact in both of our uh, lives as music fans. Yeah. Anyways. So uh, first things first, it's been, it's been a week and a half. How are, we, uh, how are we feeling? How's life? What's going on? What's new? I mean... <clears throat> Dude, I am feeling a little sick. I'm I'm feeling a little cold right now. Um, but hopefully this shall pass. Um, no, just working and doing my thing, selling a bunch of tickets. Um, my dad's friend got he he like moved to Florida, and he was gonna throw out all these like old records. But my dad was able to save them, and these are these are some pretty good fucking records we got led zeppelin we got a bunch of kiss records and like queen um like an acdc judas preset records thrown in nice. like all vintage like original like vinyl that you would probably spend like 30 bucks a pop at like the record store down the block they all just landed in your lap oh dude i am so excited um i have like pink floyd albums i'm not a big pink floyd guy but i mean like i got the two most important ones the wall and the dark side of the moon there you go. So um, I have a Bruce Springsteen live set. Nice. So that's that's sick. Um, glad to be expanding my uh, my record collection there. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been getting the itch with so many like the, I feel like the past two years or three years it's been kind of like it's been kind of slow as far as new records for me that have like really blown me away or that I've been really anticipating and in just the last probably year um there's been so many that have come out or that are going to come out that i'm just super excited for and that's got me like the vinyl itch is back um 
Yeah, I kind of want to get. Yeah, they're... I want to get Little Greenhouse by Anxious. Yeah, and I want to get that new Turnstile record. There's like the two on the top of the list right now. Yeah, the Turnstile one is kind of hard to find. I I went looking at a couple of different places and couldn't really find it. Um, it looks like they're. They're working on getting new pressings, but you know, with Record Store Day and all the other big artists constantly taking over the taking over the pressing plants, it's a little bit difficult. And we talked about that in a previous episode. Yeah, but for sure. Yeah, that new Drug Church record is one that I really want to get, especially because there's some really cool variants that they're doing for like Newberry Comics and independent record stores, things like that. Um, Little Greenhouse is a great call out and one that one that I'm going to be anticipating that I'm sure we'll touch on. A little bit later in the episode, um, I think it was literally today that Joyce Manor announced that they're putting out a new album. Oh fuck yeah! <laughs> and the 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 lead single is real good. So excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. So- and yeah, that's been I've been I've been fighting the urge to go to the record stores and do all that. Uh, and it's mostly just been it's been work and a little bit of play. Mostly just hanging out with some friends down here whenever I get the chance. Cracking open a few cold ones with the boys. You know, just guys being dudes. Yeah, I went to my buddy's band, When Without. They just put out a new record. Um, so shout out to them. It's called Sun. Uh, check it out on Spotify. Um, saw ca- caught their release show. They, you know, they did very well. Uh, sell it. I saw pictures of you. Oh yeah, you know, gotta gotta get in there. Get in there and support the scene. Yeah, gotta get in there and support the scene. Um, gotta rep uh, Low Gear. You know, I got my uh, my low lock monster hat right here. <laughs> got out uh, minor league hockey. Yeah, dude, I've I've been searching and I cannot find them anywhere. I I really want to find a Brockton Rocks like hat. Hmm. You remember the Brockton Rocks? I don't remember. Were they a hockey team or what were they? No, they were a baseball team. Oh man, I I I also want to find something related to like the Lowell uh, Spinners too. Yeah, I should search on some of the like secondhand websites and stuff like that because I bet I bet I could find like the paw socks before they became the woo socks. There's a there's a good thrift store. It's located in Salem, but he also does like a bunch of online sales too. And his Instagram is felt fanatic, and he is if you're looking for like old school like sports like vintage gear like i would go to him he he has a good selection that's actually where i got my low lock monster hat from that's awesome so shout out to them that's <laughs> that's such a that's such a funny like crossroads of like punk rock and sports fandom that we that we're interested in like triple a ball teams and like well lower lower league hockey teams and whatever else and want to rep that merch well i was talking to my I saw my parents this weekend and I went out to lunch with my mom after um, filing my taxes or something like that. Um, and we were talking about the spinners and we were talking about like, I think it was just the spinners we were talking about, like, because baseball was coming back and like, um, I don't think the spinners even play in Lowell anymore because Major League Baseball has just gotten rid of a lot of the minor league teams, especially the ones that aren't making money, which is... Um, <laughs> Most of them, I would assume. Yeah, most well, most of them are not profitable at all. Um, um, and um, anyways, um, I was distracted by a couple different things. Um, and growing up in like Lowell and like that kind of like area or like Tuxbury, like 
we couldn't really afford to go to a Red Sox game. Red Sox games are kind of expensive to go to, like for a whole family. Yeah. I mean, it's $30 per ticket, and that's like in the bleachers. Then you got to park or take the subway in. You need, you like want like a hot dog or something, but like a hot dog isn't really a meal. So you're probably getting dinner afterwards or something. Like you're looking at like $500 yeah. for the day. Yeah, easily. Easily. And like that's, that's, that's quite an outing. Like you can go to like the Lowell Spinners and, you know, spend like a hundred bucks. Like it's $10 tickets. Like it's, the food is a lot cheaper. You know, it's, it's way more sensible for a family of five, which I'm from, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I know for like a little bit when I was delivering papers for the Lowell Sun, um, sometimes we got, it was like a, like a thing that you can get for like free tickets for like the like the Lowell Devils or like one of the hockey teams in town. It was fun. Free it yeah. was like four free tickets. You can just have like a good time for the night. Yeah, go and hang. I love that. Yeah, I need more I need more sports in my life for sure. I miss going to I miss going to stadiums and like I can't remember the last time I sat back and like watched a baseball game or something. I'd love to do that. But there's not a lot of there's not a lot of that kind of stuff. I mean Nashville does have the sounds, but Yeah, don't you have like a minor league part team? Of that, yeah. But part of that is like you gotta you gotta you would want to go with somebody, you know. That's true. That is true. Um, but hey, that's that. Um, what are we drinking today? Oh, I'm uh, I'm in a I'm in a silly, goofy mood today. You know, um, I'm I'm a I'm I'm a silly guy. So I took a walk in the rain today. Um, one to test out my new Run for Cover Records windbreaker and see how well it repelled the uh, repelled the elements. Um, but also to grab myself something to drink because I knew we were going to record. And I decided to go with a tall boy of Twisted Tea, which I don't think we've had on the podcast. But for anybody that knows, this is, uh, it's it's like drinking sugar water. It's it's fine. Oh, man. (laughs) Somewhere on the Cape, Andy Esborn is pumping his fist in the air and saying, yes. Yeah, I'm not drinking that. Professor Twister himself. Oh man. Ooh. Ooh. It was a crisp, a crisp opening. It was pretty crisp. Describe the flavor. Give me give me a flavor profile. It tastes like sweet tea. I mean, because apparently it is actual brewed tea. Um and the thing with these is that you you never really taste the alcohol. Like it's really, really well masked underneath the what I'm sure is enough sugar to kill a small animal. Yeah. But uh but yeah, it's it's a fun time. I have I have fond memories of drinking twisted tea in college every once in a while. Um, it is it is a dangerous game though because you can't really taste the alcohol, so they kind of sneak up on you. Especially during those summer months, you can just you can pound a few of them, and next thing you know, you're you know a little wobbly. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. I am drinking a drink I found from a from a TikTok. I I oh yeah, I had this. TikTok that was going in my timeline that was um or for you page or whatever and it's a drink called Switchel or it's like hipster Gatorade so like I was feeling a little bit under the weather today so I have it has water ginger juice in it some apple cider vinegar lemon and like maple syrup that's pretty good it's it it kind of tastes like Gatorade and it's making me feel a little bit better damn that sounds delicious yeah um it's apparently good for health gut health and it's good for just like recovery and like electrolytes and stuff like that so i'm just gonna drink this and um hopefully feel a little bit better yeah get yourself uh get yourself back on track 
But let's talk about these Patriots. Let's talk about those New England Patriots. So the last time we talked, I was talking y'all off a ledge, saying that we were going to make more moves, don't you worry. And and we fucking told you. <laughs> like, now, 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 as far as both like Jabril Preppers and Devontae Parker working out goes, I hope they both work out, but... I told you so. We would be making more moves that I I love Jarrell Peppers. I think he is, look out for him next year. I think it's a really smart move. He's coming off an injury this year, but I mean, so maybe, hopefully he comes back healthy, like 100%, but- As is Devontae Parker, right? I think so too, yeah. I mean, yeah. both like, I mean, low, low like investments, like we didn't put a lot into them, but I like it. I like I like the I like the versatility uh, that Peppers kind of presents, and we've been screaming. I mean, we've been we've been screaming for a couple of years now about the Patriots needing to get like a true like top tier wide receiver, and you know, Devontae Parker is he a top tier wide receiver? Maybe not, but because I mean, when I saw when I saw that announcement, right, my first thought was who, <laughs> and then. And then I started seeing then I started seeing some of the takes come in and it was mostly a lot of people that were just excited to see the Patriots like make a move at wide receiver. Like that's a big thing that we've needed. Um, and then I saw a take where it actually listed out like everybody in the wide receiver room right now, top to bottom. It's and now we've got like wide receiver by committee. Right. And it's it's starting it's starting to look I, I like our, our group now and where People were saying at the beginning of this offseason, oh, we need to sign a new, we need to sign someone else. I don't think it's necessarily a huge, the biggest need in the draft coming up. I think it's, we could definitely look to have another upgrade there. But I mean, Devontae Parker, Nelson Aguilar, I mean, Jacoby Myers, Hendrick Bourne, Devontae Parker is going to stretch the field. That's his main like he he will be able to stretch the field. He's a nice deep threat for this team. And that's the thing that we've been saying again for a couple of years now is it's not that it's not that our wide receiving core is necessarily weak talent-wise. We just haven't had we haven't had that deep option. And once you have that deep option that other teams have to cover, now all of a sudden, you know, the Jacoby Myers kind of style of wide receiver becomes a lot it it becomes more of an option because all the heat is not on him, for example. For sure. And I think I'm mostly excited about Jarrell Peppers. I mean, this guy coming out of college, he there were talks about him being between safety, maybe even like a like a weak side linebacker, like a cover linebacker, and corner. He is a versatile guy that can play several different several different areas of the field. And also in college, he was a really good returner like punt returner, like special teamer. Hmm. So he he brings a lot to this team. So so he's a Bill Belichick kind of dream. Well, from what somebody, I, I heard this one take, like they fell in love with him a long time ago and they, it's nice that now he's on this team. They found, he found his way to the Patriots because Bill Belichick thinks he's really good. Like these are the type of players Bill wants for his team. And they're the type of players that, you know, come up big and especially again tying into conversations we've had in the past like when you look at when you kind of look at the locker room as it stands right now it's going to be it's going to be a decent amount of new faces uh we really got to 
we still really need to count on the draft this year uh, to plug a couple of holes and hopefully get some get some kids to come in that can be ready to go day one. Uh, but I think that that you know if we if we can manage to land the draft picks that we need to, they're walking into a locker room with a lot of experience and a lot of like camaraderie and leadership that'll get them up to speed really quickly. And now you know then it's then it's just off to the races. So I think it's um, I'm. I'm feeling a bit more um, optimistic about this upcoming season than I was at this time last year. I think last year it was all question marks all the time. And now looking at some of the moves we've made and looking at kind of where the heads are at, uh, there's still a lot of question marks and welcome to the NFL offseason. Right. But I'm I'm definitely like you're you're, star- you're starting to see the plan come together a little bit more now. And it's not all it's not all question marks. It's just very much like how much hope can we have that the people who need to step up are going to step up. Right. And it's very encouraging seeing Mac working out with uh, Kendrick Bourne and JJ Taylor and, and uh, Jacoby Myers down in Tampa. Like, did you catch some of that? Yeah, I saw that. I saw that hop up in the, uh, that came up in the discord. I think, I think it might've been Bobby who posted it. Um, that's the kind of stuff you love to see just building building that relationship and you know kind of learning the learning the physical cues of your teammates like that kind of that kind of preparation almost always results in positive stuff on the field yeah so and i don't think the patriots are done making moves i think we're we're still going to see a couple little moves here and there that are going to help improve this team i'm thinking it's i'm thinking we're definitely going to be I, re- I really want to see them try to work out some sort of trade for Nikhil Harry. Just it, like get anything you can for that guy and just move on, see what we can see what we can reasonably get and what we can turn that into. Um, yeah, because he is he is by far the weakest link. He's definitely the weakest link in the uh, in the wide receiver room right now. And he's ju- he's just not needed. We we need more anything <laughs> than that. Yeah. I, I he has been he's been such a disappointment. He he just would never make it work here. Um uh <laughs> try to, I'm, yep, just, try to be nice here, but I'm just like ugh. Yeah, there's he sh- I don't think he he should have been he sh- we should have been trying to wheel and deal him, you know, when he asked for a trade last off season and I think I think it was you that raised the point that if we just cut him, you know, then there's then there's dead cap involved. So trying to see if we can get anything for him, I think would be preferable. I mean, I but, I know the salary cap is weird. I know if you trade them before June first, maybe there's no dead cap. But like, if you do it after June first, there is dead cap if you trade him. But like, I I don't know. I I don't want him on the team. He's he just he's incompetent. Yeah, he just he he doesn't run his routes. He's had some impressive plays, but all of those impressive plays have looked like improvisation, which is not usually something that you get from the Patriots. It's not something that Bill looks for in players. It's not something that is really part of like the culture of the team. So we gotta we gotta find some way to kind of cut and run and try and make a positive. That there. that twenty nineteen draft class by the Patriots is looking worse and worse. Oh, that draft class was terrible. <laughs> horrendous. Horrendous. Just tr- truly, truly horrendous. Um, 
like if we're if we're gonna take a look at let me take a look at it right here. Yeah, Nikhil Harry in the first round, Joan Williams, who just hasn't done anything. Chase Winovich, who we just traded, who he wasn't even he couldn't run defend. He was a one one dimensional player. I liked him. I like Wino, but like, man, he was just so one dimensional. Yeah. Damien He never Damian Harris. Never took that step up. Damian Harris, which you know, fantastic. It was Jared Stinham who nothing. nothing. And then Jake Bailey, our punter, who, you know, he's been he's been good. Consistent for sure. Consistent punter, but he's a punter. <laughs> yeah. That's about it. That that draft class is that might be the worst draft class Bill has ever had. Yeah, and I think people's memories are pretty short. I mean, I don't I don't really buy into the narrative of Bill Belichick not being able to draft, but I think there's just no there's no if ands or buts about that 2019 class like well just just whiffed almost across the board i think it is i think hmm, i think this is a hot take bill is not that strong at drafting he his he has been mostly successful at finding undervalued veterans and making the most out of them and getting getting the most out of them but i think that come so i like i fully agree with you and i think part of the reason there is that he is so like monomaniacal about he know he knows every possible thing that he can about every team that he's going to face like he watches film religiously he understands he understands all of his opponents and when you do that you get a really good sense of who the weapons are who the key players are things like that For sure so it's it makes absolute sense that if you're laser focused on your opponents at the nfl level that you're going to be able to find the hidden gems and see the guys that are doing the thing that you need to do as opposed to college schemes and you know these younger kids where they might not necessarily be able to make that jump to the nfl you know you can't necessarily apply the same thinking to both of those things and yeah bill bill is the bill might be bill might be one of the best eyes for talent in the nfl but that doesn't necessarily translate to college ball no it doesn't he more often than not his drafts have been they've been weak but like then again what have i said in the past the nfl draft is a crapshoot every time every single year it's a crapshoot you don't know if that player is going to actually live up to that potential you don't know if they're going to get injured you don't know if they're going to be put in the right situation of where they are going to win and be a good team or be a good player yeah which is why like there's no way of telling which is why a team like the rams is like yeah fuck the draft i'm just gonna trade my picks because why would i why would i take a risk on this player when i know this player is a is already a, a an established great player yeah all right but i like the moves and let, yep, um, let's keep it up i'm starting to see starting to see the plan come together and i'm happy about that so we have changes to nfl overtime yes we do so the overtime rule both teams will be able this is only for the postseason by the way uh both teams will be able to possess the ball um if you score eight points or like you go for a two-point conversion the game's essentially over at that point they don't get the the ball the other team and there's been lots of debate with this a lot of um i think a lot of people feel robbed from the Kansas City Chiefs and that Bills game, you know, because we didn't get to see a, the great finish that it was supposed to have. And 
I there's there's debates on whether there's like people saying that well now everyone's just going to ask for the ball second they're just going to give the ball to the team the first time and then because they know that they're going to get the ball second and be able to win the game potentially that's a pretty big risk to take though because it's not like two-point conversions are that uncommon here's my take i think if you can't play defense you don't deserve to win the game yeah you i think that's kind of the thought behind the the sudden death like i i'm fine with sudden death i i, I in theory like all of these things are to drive revenue for the nfl the nfl only cares about one thing and one thing only and it's money and these new these new rules could lead to some bigger kind of photo finishes yeah you get you know there's a little bit there's a little bit more back and forth it keeps people engaged it keeps them watching so additional ad revenue the whole deal i get it but the bills lost that game against the chiefs because they just couldn't play defense exactly they didn't lose because they didn't it was determined on a coin flip there were moments no game is determined on a coin flip that's ridiculous you played a whole nope, it was. You, you played a whole 16 minutes there were several plays that determined that game you just collapsed and didn't play defense and i would say the same thing if it was the patriots in this case as well yeah i mean the entire the entire reason why we won against kansas city in that afc championship game was it wasn't because we won the coin flip it was because kansas city couldn't put a stop to us well that and d ford was offsides <laughs> <laughs> well that too that too that 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 was a big reason that screwed them yeah that screwed them um but yeah like we'll have to see how it goes and i mean there have also been nfl rules that have overturned in the past like i remember there was the rule that you could the saints push for this one they wanted to make pass interference reviewable like you can review it uh with like a challenge flag or whatever because of that clear defensive interference in like the nfc championship game they got rid of that rule like a year later because no one called it or no one it was never used yeah maybe this i don't think this will last i'm yeah i'm not i'm not entirely mad at the idea like i get especially especially looking at it through the lens of just like keeping the drama up and keeping keeping people engaged in the game it you know it could make for some more interesting storylines and some you know some wilder finishes to games but yeah i think i think the point has already been made like you don't you don't deserve to win if you can't if you can't stop the ball and that's why overtime is sudden death in or was sudden death in the nfl so yeah it was sudden death for a while and then it changed a little bit later so now like if you well it was if you kick a field goal the other team can can go down the field and kick a field goal as well or score a touchdown and win the game i i don't know a lot of people are saying many teams will try to just end the game like uh the first the first team will try to end the game with the two-point conversion go for it i'm perfectly fine with that yeah all right and there weren't a lot of other rule changes that happened at the owner meetings um there was i know that we switched back we switched to the nfl but this is probably one last patriots point um like bill belichick and matt patricia were both at the owners meetings and they were rushing to try to get to the photo for it (laughs) and they apparently matt patricia's job title is kind of interesting because it's he doesn't really he oversees a lot of things apparently 
Yeah. I'm, you know, no no real love lost with Matt Patricia. I think I'm interested to see what he does on the offensive side of the ball. Um it's one of the one of those question marks for this season is who's, you know, who's the guy in Mac Jones's ear? If it's not if it's not Josh McDaniels, who's who's doing the play calling, who's writing up the schemes? Like who is if we're not going to put a name, if we're not going to put the name offensive coordinator on somebody, then who is the de facto offensive coordinator? And we haven't really gotten a straight answer from anybody about that. Well, it's that, and also like I think what's a little worrisome is when Bill Belichick originally took the job in 2000. He said the reason he failed in Cleveland was because he was trying to do way too much. And is he trying to do too much with this team now? Like trying to, he has his hands in everything. You know, that's, that's, you, you can't do it all. That's the question. Especially at his age. I mean, he is 70 years old at this point. Yeah. Like where do you, where do you stretch that delegation muscle? Yeah. If it's, if it's one thing I've learned with, I'll, I'll throw it back to Boy Scouts, for example. The, the, one of the major things I learned in Boy Scouts was delegation you you gotta delegate everything yep you can't you can't do everything all by yourself and we'll see there's there's a lot of time left to to see what everything what everything's gonna happen or what everything we're gonna see yep plenty of time for some additional moves and i'm sure there will be something there there will be plenty of nfl drama to cover because there always is it's a year-round sport now oh yeah (laughs) all right let's Let's uh what should we get into? Let's do uh let's do a quick couple of minutes on um the uh the late Taylor Hawkins, drummer from the Foo Fighters. Yeah, that man, that fucking sucked to hear about. Yeah, that was a uh a surprising loss. Um and weirdly like it's he's he's he was one of the last like like rock gods, you know? Like so I was talking to somebody about it a couple of days after um, they had announced him passing. There's not there's not a lot of like celebrity drummers. There's not a lot of celebrity like true rock stars like guys in like a four or five piece guitar band that are like household names. And like who's who's left of like these larger than life like celebrity drummers? I think like who's still who's still out there that everybody everybody knows as like a household name. I think the only one that's really left would be like Travis Barker. That's exactly what I said. Like there's no like Neil Peart is gone. Um trying to think of like other, you know, um there was Keith Moon, John Bonham, like these larger than life drummers. Um trying to think of other ones um it was the rev from avenge sevenfold but like when i think of the foo fighters i the first name is always dave Grohl, yeah and then immediately following afterwards is taylor hawkins which is impressive considering the fact that pat smear is in the band and pat smear was actually in nirvana with dave so like it really kind of says something that when you think foo fighters you really you really think of dave Grohl and taylor hawkins well, like those two are, they would always, when I was like younger, I would always watch interviews with the Foo Fighters and it was always Dave Grohl, Taylor Hawkins doing the, all the, the interview circuits. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's just, it's crazy. It's crazy to see him pass and to think like, well, first of all, like what a, just what a loss for Dave Grohl. Like 
he loses his he loses his front man when he's a drummer and now that he's a front man he loses his drummer like that guy that guy's seen a lot of loss and yeah that's the it's it's one of the interesting things about the foo fighters as a whole is that i'm not a big foo fighters fan like i can't really i can't discredit i can't discredit them for like what they've done and what they continue to be but there's like i've never i've never been that into the band outside of the hits and it's more that i respect it's more that i respect what they do and like the way that they've kind of carried themselves as these like elder statesmen of rock music and that they've gone like they've gone so far out of their way to kind of bridge the gap between like different genres and different like like clubs in popular music they've like they're always kind of front and center um and it's i like i find myself burned out on dave Grohl every once in a while and then he usually immediately turns around and does something ridiculously cool and you're like oh yes this is why everybody loves you um yeah like that hot ones episode yeah exactly like he just anytime there's anything to do with guitar music you know dave girl always enters the conversation he's always the talking head in a documentary or something like that but then he turns around and like does an episode of hot ones where he's like he basically takes over as the host for a little bit or (laughs) you know he writes like he writes this book where he talks about like basically his entire life and a lot of the stories in it are just like i can't believe that this is getting written down on paper like this is so cool to kind of like live vicariously through or whatever um but he like so as much as as much as it would be easy to get burned out on dave i never felt that way about taylor one because he's not like up until his passing he wasn't usually the one that was like the name in the headline or whatever but he was very like you could tell why they were such good friends when they would just talk about music like he was like he was just as passionate and just as much of yeah like an elder statement of an elder statesman of rock and roll um yeah it's a it's a bummer to see him go but i went back and like did kind of a re-listen of as much of the foo fighters catalog as i could get through and yeah i'm still i'm still not in love with the band but i was trying to use some of those critical listening skills to listen specifically to the drumming and the guy is an animal <laughs> he's a great drummer Just insane. yeah he's fantastic he is uh it's it's a loss it's it's it sucks oh and there were and there were reports about um like substances found in his hotel room and in his body and stuff like that which is also a severe bummer um And it kind of sucks that, you know, within like an hour of his family making a statement and being like, we would really respect, like, we would really love some privacy at this time. Like within an hour, they were talking about, you know, substances found in the hotel room and everything else. He didn't like, he had had issues in the past, but he didn't look, he didn't look like a guy who had relapsed. Like he looked perfectly healthy at those last couple of shows that they have videos of. Like he was up there and full energy getting up and singing and everything else it's just yeah it's a severe bummer to hear about that yeah uh it's felt weird watching the grammys like the tributes to him and also like hell they were supposed to play the grammys yeah and they were like they i remember trevor nota he was like yeah we uh Foo fighters were supposed to play this but uh unfortunately they won't be able to play so we have a tribute to taylor very nicely done um but damn it just that that just uh terrible yeah absolutely but uh moving on to moving on to sunnier topics um you mentioned the grammys let's talk about it a little bit um i i did not i did not watch i haven't had any real follow-up with it um 
there was there was nothing about the lead up to the Grammys this year that had me the least bit interested in paying attention. I I watched a little bit of it. Um, luckily, with um, YouTube TV, I can rewind it, be able to watch like the parts that I want to watch. So I caught like the performances. Um, man, they did a terrible job of trying to censor it. I will say that. <laughs> yeah, it's. It it was and it's fun. It was good though. It's it's funny that the, it's funny that they do even try because like especially like nobody nobody goes to the Grammys and really does anything new. Like they're playing they're playing songs that are like in the public consciousness, right? So like we all we all know where the where the where the swears are, where the cusses are, where the you know inappropriateness or whatever is like. If that's something that's going to offend you, maybe don't watch the Grammys. I love the... But if you are watching the Grammys, like you probably already know about the song. So why are we bothering? That's true. Uh, I loved a little Nas X song. Um, What is it? Industry Baby with like Jack Harlow. Yeah, I think I saw a clip of that. And like Jack Harlow. uh, So there's a, a line in his verse where it's like, send her back, send your girl back with my hand on her or send your girl back to her boyfriend with my hand on her ass cheek and instead of saying that like <laughs> he just takes the mic and he go, like swings it back and and he swings it like i thought that i'm like i was cracking up i thought that was hilarious <laughs> i think that's a funny line either way um but we got some we got some uh interesting um some interesting uh winners here um so for record of the year we had leave the door open silk sonic as a winner and god their their speech when they accepted it it was hilarious bruno mars whips out a cigarette and starts smoking it straight on stage <laughs> all right <laughs> that was hilarious i thought that was very funny um song of the year leave the door open silk sonic i mean that that release had a vice grip on people and honestly I had kind of forgotten about Silk Sonic until you just mentioned it now. Um, what a good project! Yeah, I mean, it it makes sense. I remember listening to it, and it's you know whoever whoever told whoever told Bruno Mars that his next step after the like bubblegum kind of pop stuff that he was doing when he first came around, whoever whoever sat back and was like, "My man, '60s and '70s like retro pop, just to, just go for it." Yeah whoever whoever did that was right on the money well like i hated i remember we were justine and i were driving recently and it was like um that bruno mars song i'd catch a grenade for you which is so bad that is not one of bruno mars's uh better songs i'm like i just can't get behind this record everything else he's done after this yeah but this is terrible yeah he was like right right before he really leaned into kind of the retro stuff um was like when he he joined Red Hot Chili Peppers for like the Super Bowl and just yeah just pr- profoundly uninteresting music and his features on everything when he was first kind of breaking out I remember just being like really this guy again right album of the year and then oh go ahead no and then and and now he's here and it's like wow what a like obviously great voice that hasn't changed but he actually does some interesting stuff so I'm not I'm not mad at Silk Sonic winning Grammys for sure um album of the year we are by john batiste don't really know that record but it it went up against happier than ever by billy eilish 
uh, Planet Herb, Doja Cat, Montero, Little Nas X, Sour, Olivia Rodrigo, a couple other ones. That is a wild lineup. Best new artist. And Oop, go ahead. I was going to say that uh, that's a wild lineup, but that's, I mean, I know uh, John Baptiste is outside of my wheelhouse for sure. Oh, same. But he's all he's always talked about in like revered tones. Like he does seem to be just like a musician's musician. Um, so in that respect, I guess him winning that is kind of a win for us all. Yeah. <laughs> best new artist, Olivia Rodrigo. You know, the, uh, usually best new artist is a little flawed because I mean, especially like last year, I think Phoebe um, Bergers was was in this category and. She had been around for years, but yeah. Olivia Rodrigo is definitely new. <laughs> Just, yeah, hasn't even, she hasn't even done her first full tour yet, right? She hasn't. Um, you want to know, it's very funny. She couldn't get into the Spotify new artist party because she's not 21. <laughs> wow. <laughs> she's like 18, dude. Just a little baby. That's insane. Best pop per- solo performance Driver's License, Olivia Rodrigo. Best Pop Duo or Group Performance, Kiss Me More by Doja Cat featuring SZA, which that's a pretty good song. An inescapable song, too. Oh, yeah. You couldn't, you couldn't get away from that one. Best Traditional Pop Album, um, Love for Sale, Tony Bennett and Lady Gaga. Okay. Best Pop Vocal Album, Olivia Rodrigo, Sour. Going up against some pretty stiff competition, uh, like Justice by Justin Bieber, Planet Her, Doja Cat, Happier Than Ever, Billie Eilish, Positions, Ariana Grande. That's pretty, that's steep. And those are, those are all inescapable songs. Best dance recording, we have Alive by Rufus Dussault. Best rap album, we had Call Me If You Get Lost, Tyler the Creator. No, it's it's interesting to see the projection of Ty the Creator's um, career because I remember I remember Odd Future and listening to that in high school and and listening to Goblin by him and it yeah he would say some pretty wild like shit in in those those songs back in the day like so it's it's weird for me to be like oh people Ty the Creator really yeah he's like a he's like a respected popular musician now as opposed to the kid from odd future that said a bunch of stuff that you would listen you would listen to outside of your parents earshot oh yeah i wonder if he's still banned from performing in boston it's a good question do you know about that story i knew that he was banned so i don't think i i don't think i knew why apparently they were they were doing like a signing on newbury street like this was like 10 plus years ago um and they're just being stupid fucking kids and they were running running on like uh rooftops on newbury street jumping from one rooftop to the other one. Oh wow <laughs> so they they were like nope you're banned <laughs> bpd was like nope none of that yeah best rap performance family ties baby keem and kendrick lamar Best rap song, we had Jail by Kanye West and Jay-Z. Best Latin pop album, we had Mendo by Alex Cuba. Best music, music, uh, uh, urban record, so it is Spanish. It is Bad Bunny winning that category. Best American Roots performance, we have Cry by John Batiste. Best R&B performance, we have a tie between... Silk Sonic, Leave the Door Open, and Pick Up Your Feelings by Jasmine Sullivan. I don't know how there's a tie. It, it was a tie. Wow. I don't know. 
There's also another tie thrown in here as well, but we'll get to that. I didn't know that was a thing. Ugh. Best R&B song, Leave the Door Open, Silk Sonic. Man, what a clean... What a what a just what a, they just cleaned up. What a cleanup. Uh best R and B record we had Hoax Tales by Jasmine Sullivan. Best country solo performance You Should Probably Leave by Chris Stapleton, who I like Chris Stapleton. Pretty good. If I had to pick somebody in country, I would pick him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, best country duo group performance Younger Me by Brothers Osborne. Um, remember they played my venue this summer, so that was cool. Best Country Song, Cold by Chris Stapleton. Best Country Album, Starting Over, Chris Stapleton. Best Rock Performance, Making a Fire, Foo Fighters. Man, you look at the rock options and they're... Slim pickings. It is so... You know, it's it's not even... I'm not even mad about who wins here. It's just the overall nominees. Like, how do you not put in like turn that's turnstile record and how do you not put in like some other really fantastic rock albums from the past and year? it was like it it was part of the pre-nomination process too and yeah. that's yeah i think that's one of the i think that's one of the reasons why it's just like it's hard to it's hard to care about it's hard to care about that so like i get the appeal of award shows i didn't like i didn't really pay attention to the oscars this year either there was just just too many other things and it just wasn't a thing that was like particularly interesting to me especially after two years of not being able to like go to movie theaters yeah keep my name out of your fucking mouth (laughs) that that we got that that got enough coverage that it reached me um oh man (laughs) but that's one of the it's one of the interesting things is that like as a as a dude that's so into music from production to performance to like like the whole deal like the Grammys never seem to be actually representative of anything besides just like what's popular and who has paid their dues to the industry for long enough that they deserve an award. Um, And then you get to something like the Oscars where it's like, I've seen a lot of those movies I've listened to, like I've followed them through their productions and things like that. So you get like there, there's a hype behind waiting for those movies to come out, having them come out, having an opinion about them, and then at the end of the year, turning around and being like, oh yeah, I remember that movie. Is that a Best Picture nominee? Is that whatever? As opposed to the Grammys, where it's just like, I listened to that Olivia Rodrigo album. Um, I got a lot of issues with the production there. So, Oh, I didn't even know that. Oh man, the, oh, there's it's it's funny it's funny that that one song people always make the jokes about comparing it to misery business by paramore and i'm like so right about here was the point where dan's recording decided to cut off for technical reasons that are beyond either of our understandings so what you're about to hear is a re-recording the next day. I hope you enjoy. This is round two because my recording software failed on me. Um, so we are, this is a two-dayer. Um, I see AJ is about to crack open a cold one, so I'll let him do that. I dragged that one out a little bit. Yeah, I saw that. Um, yeah, welcome back to the Back Room Podcast. Blah 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 blah. Like you, you heard this beforehand. Um, so we're just gonna pick off, pick up where we left off, and where my recording uh, 
failed. So that's either a uh, that's really either a good or a bad thing, depending on where you fall on Olivia Rodrigo and Machine Gun Kelly, um, because you guys basically missed it. I went on a little bit of a rant. Uh, the waveform is looking pretty long. Um, basically, just to sum it all up, I've we've expressed excitement beforehand and on previous episodes basically about the fact that you know guitar music is coming back and it's a big thing and olivia rodrigo made her kind of statement at the grammys this year about well she didn't make the statement they they gave her awards for being you know the new avril lavigne pop punk princess whatever you want to call it right yeah and you know i don't want to sound you just disagree with it yeah i don't, I don't <laughs> want to sound i don't want to sound like an old man i don't want to sound ancient um but yeah too late you already do i i always <laughs> do man um yeah it, it, the production's just not there for me especially on that album sour uh and then i kind of went off on a tangent about how as exciting as it was to see a couple of hits and things like that on uh tickets to my downfall which was machine gun kelly's last record uh the new record is just it's it, it bad yeah it just strikes me as bad. so phoned in and cash grabby and and i think and i think we kind of covered it when we went track by track on that album um tickets to my downfall was really interesting in that way where it was just like i can't tell if this is tongue-in-cheek or if you really can't read the room and calling the album mainstream sellout and uh, putting out the songs that he did kind of leaves me with a bad taste in my mouth about machine gun kelly and my basic thoughts with olivia rodrigo last night were okay there's a foundation there i get kind of what she's going for what her producers were going for and everything else i think production wise they absolutely missed the mark and you know there's 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 some songwriting potential there but you really she's got to step it up and maybe her big uh well not stadium tour but her first like actual tour maybe that will open up some avenues and show you know some like even more potential there or maybe it's just maybe the two biggest names in quote-unquote pop punk right now are both duds i don't know well i think the jury is still out on olivia because she is so young into her career so i i'm looking forward to her next out like album or project that she does and um whether it goes more towards this pop punk flavor or it goes more pop um i'm just looking forward to see what she does in the future that's all i have to say about that there's there's potential there it's just gotta you know whoever's producing album number two or ep number two although she's a major label artist so chances of an ep are slim yeah just uh, there's there's driving songs on that album i get why people like it i get the intent behind it but those recordings just miss the mark and they miss the mark by quite a bit so uh, i just yeah i hope that i hope that something cool comes out of it and that it keeps the kids involved with guitar music for a little bit but it's just yeah what's there is not really worthy of my praise in my opinion and it's weird the other half of the tangent was basically sitting back and talking about the rock categories in this year's grammys and being like man you're gonna award just objectively bad production when you have something like turnstile which is you know people talk about crossover hits that's well it's it's not only that it's the fact that, like, for example, like a band like ACDC hit their com- commercial peak in like 1980, 
Like, and I mean, the Grammys don't care about rock and metal in general. Um, it was actually, I was watching a video today. Um, Joey Jorgensen from Slipknot, who was a Grammy winner, was nominated for several Grammys with Slipknot, was not a part of the um, artist moratorium. That is, that's a terrible look. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's the interesting thing about the Grammys, right? Like, you can't cover it all. You can't, you can't do everything. And I get that. And you do have to, you have to, you have to just go straight down the middle. You got to do from a programming standpoint, what's going to get the most people involved and what's going to get the most people to tune in. But you really couldn't find, you couldn't find anything interesting. You couldn't actually present something new. Right. Yeah. I mean, there are tons of cool artists that are doing interesting things, but we're still, though we have like that crossover appeal, like Olivia Rodrigo, who's in, that creates mass appeal, and Machine Gun Kelly, we're going to be stuck with ACDC and the Rolling Stones winning Grammys for all of eternity. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's just going to be like that. There's just not, there is not the fervor for guitar music that there was back in the day and that just in kind of a gatekeepy way that's kind of cool because it forces it forces you to do your homework so like 13 year old aj is perfectly fine with that like you know you want the people that are involved to be involved and to put their money where their mouth is but also like there were a lot of rock records last year and this is what you're giving us i mean they're not the bench that grammys aren't the bench of like high grade music that me and you are into i think that's probably why i think as long as i have followed music i've never been a big grammy watcher up until recently um but beforehand i'm like no band i care about is nominated why should i watch exactly but i think that's the that's it with um following up with the grammys um also i said acdc as an example because they are in the nominated nomination category when i mean Come on, find some other people, find some other groups. Um, let's move on to Joyce Manor's album that just turned 10, 10 years old. Yep. Uh, I know for a fact that at the top of the episode, we talked about the fact that they have a new album coming out and they announced it the day after the 10 year anniversary of all thing of all things. I will soon grow tired, which was their second LP. Yes. Um, let's, let's dig deep. Let's try and remember some of the things that we talked about yesterday <laughs> that were not actually recorded. Right. Um, so this is 13 minutes long, nine songs. So it's a quick listen to, uh, like, I guess you can even say this is like an, like an EP. Um, my, one of the main points that we made yesterday was, um, or at least I did, my favorite track off this record or one of the highlights from this record is Video Killed the Radio Star. I th That's one song I really remember from this record. You don't particularly care for it or you didn't care for it at the moment. Yeah, when I first came across the record, it was not one of my favorites, um, especially on such a short album, including a cover like that is um, just a little weird. Like I was aware... I was aware of the band right around this time, right around the time the album came out. Like you want, you want new things and they do put a really interesting twist on that song, but I don't think it's necessarily like the strongest point of the album. Uh, my favorite song for sure is if I needed you there, which it's all of a minute and 30 seconds or something. And 
it's just very like frenetic energetic punk music um and that's one of the that's one of the most interesting things about this album is when it came out and when joyce manor first kind of came onto the scene they were lumped in with you know the genre that everybody associated with them was pop punk Mm. which is interesting because this is not i have i've never thought about this band as a pop punk band i mean maybe if they came out when the descendants were a band like in their peak i know the descendants are still a band but when the descendants were doing like milo goes to college and all that kind of stuff and like the queers were around i would say yeah this is kind of pop punk but this is more just indie rock pop punk yeah yeah and i think that's part of the reason why i never really got that classification uh for this band and i think it was partly just the the like tumblr scene at the time really kind of latched on to calling anything with melody and driving guitars pop punk um but one of the points that we had made was there's kind of these the transition from punk to pop punk can kind of be categorized into four eras so you have like you have like punk in the 80s leaning into the 90s think for example the ramones um to some extent dead kennedys although they were a little bit more hardcore um with a lot of melody and then you get the kind of initial explosion of green day and the descendants after that comes newfound glory fallout boy uh that like fueled by ramen kind of thing where it really became like a mainstream staple for a couple of years and then definitely the modern era of pop punk um well i think both you and i could argue that the modern era of pop punk probably started with a loss for words um maybe a little bit before that but really the band that everybody would think of is the story so far yeah story so far state champs those type of bands. yeah and i think i think joyce manor has way more in common with dead kennedys and the ramones like that original melodic punk like pop pop songwriting pop sensibilities but punk music melodic punk they they had way more to do with that than you know the hardcore tinged super tuned vocal pop punk that most kids would think of now yeah i mean joyce manor like when i think of when i think of like the story so far like when i think of like undersoiled and dirt and from what you can't see and like some of those other pop punk records of that era like they're polished there's like a level of like polishedness to them um not really raw like it's very clean recordings this is kind of lo-fi this is raw this is fast aggressive it's it's you can make out everything but it's it there's some element of like when in the past where i've said like oh everything sounds pretty big this doesn't sound big it's like very scrunky very like in your face yeah it's it's that it it, it it's hard to describe yeah it, it it doesn't sound this album does not sound this is going to sound negative, but it's I. It's part of the reason why it's endeared me so much to the band. It doesn't sound thought out and planned. It sounds very spontaneous from the production all the way down to the songwriting. Like the album is what thirteen minutes long? Did we say? Yeah, yeah, thirteen minutes. Long. It's very much just oh, we've got this melody, we've got this guitar riff, like put it together. Yeah, cool. That's a song, which is why it has so much more in common with like early Touche Amore like bands that we think of as being at kind of the forefront 
of hardcore these days it's that immediacy that quickness that like we've got the thing we've done it don't overthink it just put it to tape and get it out there for sure and now that i'm looking at it they worked with jack shirley who he is a great fit for this record um to give like an example he worked with um jeff rosenstock on all of his records which i mean you can hear if you listen to jeff rosenstock in compare it to um of all the things i will soon grow tired of i mean it's pretty pretty accurate pretty much like the same kind of vibe he worked with were he worked with uh punch which is a pretty good like hardcore punk band from back in the day like i love to see when bands work with like a good producer or like a pro- i mean it's one thing to work with a good producer but like a producer that will work to the band's strengths yeah and jack seems to be doing a good job has has a really good grasp of that yeah and i think that's that's something to kind of tie it back into the conversation that we had yesterday and that we touched on uh during this re-recording session right it's one of the things that endears me so much to these kind of i don't even like using the word counterculture anymore so i guess on uh, underground bands they seem to find these producers that have a intrinsic understanding of what the band is and what their sound is and how to best serve that it's not a um it's not a chris lord algae to use a big producer name or um i cannot for the life of me remember the guy from goldfinger who's done like blink 182 albums and stuff i can picture his face i mean I'm not going to name that name, but like if if like Jack Antonoff worked on this record instead of Jack Shirley, totally different. Yeah. And I'm not sure. And Jack Antonoff is Jack Antonoff is very talented. He he has produced and recorded some fantastic records. And I'm sure he can if you wanted to do a punk record, <laughs> he sure as hell could. Definitely. But, you know, maybe not the best one for a band like Joyce Manor, for example. Not that Joyce Manor would work with Jack Antonoff, but I'm just using that as an extreme example. Well, and now that you say it, at like as somebody that loves those like juxtaposition kind of things and that weird like there's no reason for these two things to collaborate but they do like yo i know epitaph doesn't have that kind of money even though they're basically considered a major label now and i know that joyce manor (laughs) would probably balk at the idea but now that you've mentioned it i would love to hear what a jack antonoff produced joyce manor record sounds like that'd be sick or if they did or if Jack Antonoff produced like another punk band record. Um, I'm trying to think of like a noteworthy one. Like, oh, you know who I would, you know who I would love to hear work with Jack Antonoff, and I'm sure that it that this is gonna piss off every like true punk head that listens to this podcast. Sure, Jack Antonoff and Fallout Boy. I was honestly, I was just about to say that suggestion. Um, because I think that'd be a really that good would bit. be a that um, would be a fucking fantastic pop record, man. Like Pat and Pete are good at songwriting and Jack Antonoff, I'm sure, can bring out the most of those guys. Yeah. I, I and I think that to an extent the producer and the band would be kind of opposing forces, but I would love to see what those that would be a really cool collaboration. I'm not mad at that idea. So We're getting we're getting off topic here. <laughs> but, well, I think the one so to bring it back home, I think the one 
conversation that we had that did not get caught on the record yesterday um, was an interesting story about the album of all things I will soon grow tired and we've already touched on the fact that you know Joyce Manor was being lumped in after their first full length which was their self-titled LP um, they were getting lumped in with pop punk that was the genre and there's an interview with Barry who is the frontman of Joyce Manor where he talks about you know reading about himself online and I can't for the life of me find this interview but I remember reading about it or hearing it or something he talks about the fact that this album was kind of an overcorrection for being labeled that way they were being lumped in with pop punk uh the same way that a band like basement was getting called soft grunge or whatever because of their 90s influences um super heaven's another great example right and basically they set out to just make the quickest dirtiest punk album that they could and i think they really succeed at that and i think that's why gun to my head this is probably still my favorite joyce manor record and i there's nothing that they've put out that has really offended me the lp after this never hung over again um cody which was the next lp after that they've got a new one called 40 ounces to fresno which what a fucking great name for an album <laughs> That's an awesome name. Like they they consistently put out good records and sometimes I'm late to check them out, but I I I'm like to me it's like um like I'll be late to check out like a Frank Turner record, but I know that Frank Turner record is good and I know these records are good too. I've never been disappointed by an album by Joyce Manor. Yeah, it's the same exact thing for me. Like I have never been I have never been first in line. I've never done the pre-order thing for this band unfortunately um i've seen them twice and both times were kind of on a whim but every time joyce manor comes on i am it's it's interesting because it's one of the bands that i know the minute i hear a song even if i haven't heard it before immediately it's like oh my god that's joyce manor man fuck i love this band i gotta like they're putting out something new i gotta go check it out so knowing that they've got a first single and a new album coming out this time is kind of a step forward for me because I've never been in that position before. I've never been ahead of the curve with this band. It's always been reactionary. Right. Same. Same for me. Um, I haven't checked out their new song yet, but I will probably take a listen to it after I finish up recording this. Yeah, they like, and they're, I think one of the other reasons why I was so kind of hot to talk about this album in particular is they're one of the very very few bands that i would argue hasn't really changed their sound all that much there's not like the songwriting is just consistently good they occupy their lane really well i don't think they're really pushing the envelope no but like sometimes i mean not i don't think every band you listen to needs to be pushing the envelope but i also think they're not consistently making the same album every single time i mean they're all short songs but like it's all barry is a really good lyricist and a really good uh creative of melodies and now that i think about it if if we're really going to go down to the core of what pop punk is and what pop music is maybe they are a pop punk band maybe just not in the traditional like modern sense i think i think i agree with that argument um I'm like talking myself into it now that I'm like, ah, 
I guess it well, but like then again, like you could call anything a pop, like kind of pop though. I mean, good songwriting is good songwriting. Yeah, it's it, it's as far as the as far as the genre goes, it's a beauty is in the eye of the beholder kind of deal, right? For sure. And I think that's one of the things it's it's easy to paint something into a corner and it makes for interesting conversation, but it's not, you know, it's not the point. Like a good song is a good song and it doesn't matter what kind of tag you put on it. It's just a good song. They, this, this band just does what they do at a level that I don't think a lot of other bands that claim punk or pop punk or hardcore or name a genre they do it at a level that a lot of other bands can't do and definitely can't do consistently so to say that to say that they're not necessarily pushing the envelope is not a it's not a dig and it's not even a criticism it's just they're one of it's what makes this band unique is that joyce manor is joyce manor like there's no mistaking this sound or this vocalist or this band as a whole they just do what they do and it's they do what they do better than anybody. Yeah, I mean, can tell pretty distinctly by the guitar tone and Barry's vocals. I mean, you could, that's what I find interesting. Like when you can, dis, you distinctly know a band by the guitar tone that they have. I mean, how many guitar tones are there? But you could pick out a Joyce Manor song pretty easily. Or, I mean, another one that comes to my mind is Tiny Moving Parts. Like, that's a very distinct band that, like, it's like, oh, that's Tiny Moving Parts. Mm-hmm. I can tell by that that guitar tone that they always use. It's, that's the kind of thing that sets a band apart in a scene that's so just overcrowded. And I think you could make a solid argument that Joyce Manor is probably the torchbearer for more traditional, quote-unquote, punk music. Like, this is... This band, I think, is the sound of punk in 2022. They are. I mean, if you if you think about if you listen to them and then listen to like a Ramones song, for example, Ramones have they're very simple songs. They're like a minute or two long. They're fast, catchy, good melody, like good lyrics. Well, I mean, and but they're not world beaters. Yeah. Neither is Joyce Manor. It's. Comparing Joyce Manor to the Ramones is not only being in the same ballpark, to put it into sports terms, because this is the Packy run. They're not just in the same ballpark, they're in the same infield. They're playing on the same diamond. That's interest that's a yeah, that's an interesting take. Yeah. They're not Yeah. Am I saying either band is my favorite or even the top of, you know, the punk game? No. But they, it's just, it's such an interesting thought when you think critically about this band in particular. They just, they do what they do so well. They own this kind of, this, this niche, this corner. They own it so well that. I mean, they've had a really solid career. They sold, they sell up some pretty large rooms consistently, or like they go on tour with like large rooms and they have interesting crossover appeal i'm sure if they really wanted to they could go go higher go go for like tour with like a band like um like open up for like green day or something like that i'm just using that as an example um i'm sure they could be capable of that but they have they're kind of they stick to their roots and like they they tour with like for example the story so far that's coming up 
which that's a really cool tour. That is a that is a stacked tour. Um and I haven't I haven't looked that hard, but if they are coming to Nashville, that's that's going to be one that's hard to miss. Yeah, I just I think Microwave is on that tour too. <laughs> yeah, that's there's another example of a band that does really just seem to like sit in their corner and sit really well and Microwave had some label mix-ups and some other stuff and I'm sure we'll get into Microwave because those first two LPs are very meaningful to me. Um but yeah, like I think if anybody listening to this has not taken some time and listened to Joyce Manor, it's about time that you do because that band definitely deserves their due and if this new single is anything to go off of and for those of us in the know, if this new track listing and time for the LP, which is this upcoming <laughs> LP is going to be 19 minutes. Like it's not that much of your time. I would highly recommend you go and check this band out. They, this of all things, I will soon grow tired is just great. Just classic punk. Just take some time. Listen to it. I think, I think you're probably going to find something in it for sure. And do we have anything else we want to discuss about that? Um, I think we're good on Joyce Manor. Uh, has anything happened in the past 24 hours that you feel the need to share with the class? No, nothing, nothing notable. Um, I did start Man in the Arena. That's pretty good so far. Um, I'll probably have more thoughts once I get through more of the series, but I, you know, it's, I'm, I'm, Kind of like, oh man, I should have watched this earlier, but whatever. I'm I'm doing it now. I have Hulu. I'm watching it. It's pretty good. Yeah, I think for any of the uh, any of the sports fans within the sound of my voice, or even if you're not really a sports fan, if you just want to, you know, even if you're passively aware of the NFL, um, you know, Tom Brady has a lot of weight behind his name, but Man in the Arena on Hulu is a really interesting take because it's not it's not just the Tom Brady story. It's told Tom just kind of narrates it and the story is really told through the games and the overarching themes of the season. Right. It's like it's a it's a really cool kind of inside baseball take on his career. And yeah, I really enjoyed watching all those episodes. If you if that's something that you think might even be kind of up your alley probably worth a watch i the only other thing i will say about this and it'll be the final thing i say um it gave me a lot i already had a ton of respect for drew bledsoe but it gave me even more respect and i think for drew bledsoe and man you know it's it's hard to watch somebody else take your job from you and never let go of it and the level of humility and the level of just putting aside his ego that is tough and that just makes me put even more respect to him so that's all i can say yeah definitely definitely a stronger man than i in that respect i, I yeah i don't know how many other people could could handle that situation um because that is that's tough and and consistently too that, show, that well and that just shows like his type of character too like he is just a good guy inside and out and he wants he wanted what's best for the team and like okay well i'm not gonna make a big scene i'm just gonna put my head down and if tom needs me i'm gonna be there and you know what tom did end up getting hurt in the afc championship game in 2001 and he stepped right up Drew was the yeah he stepped right up stepped right to the plate so i think 
you know, hats off to him. I think that's a very admirable, um, a very good guy. Yeah, I like I like seeing it. I like hearing about it. Um, yeah, Man in the Arena on Hulu or ESPN Plus, one or both. Go check it out. Let's get into our wrecks. Let's get into our wrecks. Um, I think my wreck is just one song, and it's by State Champs. I'm not a State Champs guy, like fan. But this new song that they put out, Everyone But You, is a fucking banger. <laughs> it gives like that that like early two thousands, like um some forty one like pop punk vibes. It's it's a fun party song, so definitely check that out. I think it's great. My recommendation for this week. Mm, honestly, my recommendation... So much silence. Yeah. <laughs> My recommendation for this week would be um, uh, the weather has been getting a little bit better down here in Nashville. Um, I know I haven't given this recommendation, but it's definitely not going to surprise anybody, uh, especially based off of this conversation that we're having. Um, I'd recommend go go re-lis- go re-listen to some Fallout Boy. I think that especially n- the past almost ten years, nine years, basically since they came back. Um, Listen to some late stage Fallout Boy, like after they came back from the hiatus. They, I think we need to put a little bit more respect on their name. Um, you know, that band is made of four hardcore kids from Chicago that wrote, I would argue, some of the best pop rock music that we're probably going to hear in our lifetimes. And those, the three albums that they put out since they came back from hiatus you know, you got to take it with a little bit of a grain of salt. They're they're a pop band. I get it. But name me another band where it's two guitars, bass guitar, drums. They're they don't rest on their laurels. They're not they're not retreading old ground ever. There's there's something about that band that just continues to impress me even if it takes months for me to kind of get through and appreciate what they're doing at the time. Go go listen to some Fall Out Boy. I think I think that band's better than anybody really gives them credit for, and I will take that to my grave. <laughs> wow, that's that's uh, we need some boo sound effects for <laughs> boo. that. Boo this man, boo, boo, Twitter jail. That's where you bet go back. Am I am I in Twitter jail or did I break out and now you're sending me back? I am sending you back. Do not collect two hundred dollars. <laughs> Do not pass go. Do not pass go. Do not collect two hundred dollars. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we're just gonna leave it there. Well, we finished it up. We got the thing done. I'm going to go put this all together and disappoint a lot of people. Well, not a lot of people, but there's definitely people that thought that Tom Brady was gonna be on this episode, and I'm not sorry. <laughs> yeah, sorry guys. Um, April Fools. Um, April Fools. Enjoy the rest of April. April Fools. What? Seven days later. <laughs> Yeah, I guess. I guess so. <laughs> we dragged it out. You can't blame us. Yeah. Well, I guess now. It, well, I, I, I mean, the next time we recorded, it will be now. So you will be hearing this episode tomorrow, April 7th. But we'll talk to you guys hopefully next week. I think that's going to be the plan. We'll see what comes up and uh, give you your usual whatever it is we do. <laughs> that is true. All right. We'll talk to you guys soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.